Yeah, 12.03 on an excellent Sunday afternoon here. It is Savannah, S-I-V-A-N, at theinsurancelawyer.ca or help at theinsurancelawyer.ca and Savannah's number uh, anytime, 416-216-5910. As we get into this, uh, brother, we always start with the week that was, but... But <laughs> there's something else uh, stuck in your craw you'd like to get through first. Yeah, yeah, there is, uh, John. Uh, <laughs> hi to everyone. Uh, beautiful Sunday afternoon uh, on this uh, August. Uh, yeah, when I was coming down here to the station today, uh, again, I'm reminded that people just have no clue how to drive. And being a personal injury lawyer and having defended insurance companies in the past and now helping people who yep. are injured, it's just mind boggling to me how people don't understand that you cannot tailgate. Do not tailgate. I swear to God, there were about five cars behind me uh, through the stretch of the 404, the DVP, when I was coming down. And people just don't understand that when you tailgate, first of all, if you, ca- if, if you cause a crash, other than the fact that people are going to get seriously injured at such high speeds, you are going to be uh, uh, the subject of a lawsuit. I am almost guaranteeing you that, especially at such high speeds. Don't, don't tailgate. And conversely, for people who are in my position and hate that, of course, what do they do many times? Tap on the brakes. They don't just tap on the brakes. They'll slam on the brakes, and you're going to cause an accident. Because why is it that you are slamming on the brakes? Because somebody is tailgating you. They are too close to you, which means you're going to probably cause them to, to jolt, uh, and they're, they're likely going to panic. And if they don't have enough room, they're going to slam into you. You're going to injure yourself, them, everyone in your car. And again, it's probably going to end up in a lawsuit. So please, people out there, do not tailgate. Well, the assumption is, and this is this is to the person who's tapping the brakes or hitting the brakes, saying, oh, they're following too close, they're going to get charged, it won't be me. Not no, true. no, no. It, well, they may get charged, it's true. And in fact, the insurance company may put them at fault, their insurance premiums are going to go up. But at the end of the day, you're going to get injured very mm-hmm. likely if you cause an accident. I mean, and by the way, you could be thrown into some other, other lane or yep. to the guardrail. God knows what's going to happen, but from a civil litigation standpoint, if there's a claim for injuries that's made, so let's say you're injured because uh, somebody was tailgating you, you slammed on the brakes, you caused an accident, I can almost guarantee you uh, that uh, throughout the claims process, it's going to come out that you slammed your brakes and you're going to be held partially responsible Mm -hmm. for the accident, which means, first of all, you're going to get less in terms of damages, in terms of dollar amount for your injuries, and number two... Uh, the other person who was behind you, despite the fact that they were tailgating you, may actually have a claim against you, a right. counterclaim perhaps. So don't do it. It's just not worth it. Uh, it move over to the next lane right. or, or you know, slow down a bit and let them pass you, but do not, uh, do not uh, slam on the brakes and do not tailgate, for God's sake. Week that was. All right. Week that was. A very, very interesting week. I had a call from a listener um, who um, was actually very complimentary afterwards. Uh, she really appreciated the advice that I gave her. Uh, about two years ago, she had some contractors come to her house and do some work. And one day, uh, she comes into the house, goes onto the second floor, uh, steps into the bathroom, mm-hmm. and then falls through come on. to the first floor. It's, you see this in the movies, John. It's like a Chevy Chase thing. It, it's right? unbelievable. And, and she, she breaks her hip and she breaks her ankle. Serious, serious injuries. Uh, you know, thank God she didn't break her neck. Mm-hmm. Uh, in any event, she, uh, she obviously has a claim against a contractor. Uh, but she's also on long-term disability now because of those injuries. Okay. Now, here's the interesting thing. She went through a complete rehab program. So she went through all the various treatments, physiotherapy, etc. And at the end of the program, uh, the rehab clinic reported back to the insurance company that she's well enough to start at least trying to get back to work. That's against the advice of uh, her specialist, uh, family doctor, etc., so one scratches their head and says, well, you know, you guys have been treating her for all this time. 
why are you telling the insurance company she's ready to go back when she's saying she's not ready to go back and right. her specialist and family doctor saying that uh, she's not ready to go back? Well, here's the answer for you, John. How did she get to this rehab facility? Who do you think referred her to this facility? I would probably say the insurance company. You got it. The yeah. insurance company referred her to, the, to, the, uh, to this facility. Uh, so this is a, a word of caution uh, to everyone out there. If, uh, if the insurance company is telling you to go to a specific facility, uh, that's not to say that the facility is not good. It's not to say that the treatment uh, providers there are not good. But, but clearly there is a relationship between Big this time. rehab facility and the insurance company or insurance companies. Uh, they know where their uh, bread is buttered, so mm-hmm. to speak. Uh, so you may be in a position down the road where there is this conflict that arises for the facility. On the one hand, uh, they're getting paid by the insurance company. On the other hand, they want to show the insurance company that they've done their job. And so in this case, this lady is now facing a situation where there is mixed uh, advice, mixed opinions g- being given to the insurance company, which obviously works against her because the insurance company is now taking the position, well, your treatment providers, the facility, is saying you're ready to go back to work or at least try to go back to work. Uh, and her specialists are saying no. Okay, so which one what trumps the do? other? Who trumps who? Well, as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I, I would clearly uh, flag the fact that the facility uh, is biased here and, and is conflicted. And, uh, and, and the insurance company should not be listening to her. And I told her, you know, to the extent that you're having issue with the insurance company, uh, let me help you. Uh, it's, it's not going to be difficult to convince the insurance company uh, that they are going to be uh, in a bind if they rely on the treatment facility's recommendations as opposed to the specialists you that have been it. treating her after the surgeries. So it could be a, a little bit of a tangled web, but he'll get through it. You right? got it. So if you need a rehab facility, you make sure you go to your family doctor, or if you have a specialist that's treated you that did surgery on you, ask them for recommendations uh, for You don't have rehab. to use one of your insurance company you and say, not, no, thanks, I'm no, good, I'll do a do third not. party. You okay. do not, and as far as I'm concerned, I would not recommend that you do. We'll take a short break. You want to email, you can do so. Help at the insurance lawyer.ca. Give us a phone call, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. We'll take your calls right up until 1 o'clock. And 416-216-5910 is Savant's direct number. The insurance and injury law show on talk radio, AM 640. You can drop us an email as well, help at the insurance lawyer.ca. And 416-216-5910 is Savant's number. We want to talk about the injury calculator. Love this tool. Yeah, this is a tool that we've been talking about for a few months now, and uh, it's uh, it's used quite a lot now uh, mm-hmm. by people. They just go online, uh, injurycalculator.ca, and uh, it's it's fast, it's anonymous, and it allows you uh, to plug in some key pieces of information about your injury, and then the calculator tells you, based on cases across the country, legal cases, what your injury is worth from a dollar amount perspective. Uh, and how have we been able to accomplish that, to do that? Yep. It's, it's the first of its kind in Canada, uh, is that we had a team uh, go through the legal databases in, in Canada online uh, and compile a chart uh, of uh, you know anything from a broken ankle to a broken back, uh, soft tissue injuries, concussion, things like that. And so when you go on the website... Uh, you literally put in uh, the date of your accident, uh, and we can go through an example, John. Yep. And uh, what kind of injury you suffered? Uh, what happened with that injury? Did you have surgery or not? And at the end, it tells you uh, what uh, you could potentially be looking at. Uh, again, dollar value amount uh, for your pain and suffering for that injury. Just pain and suffering. Just pain and suffering, and that's very, very important to understand. Uh, that uh, in in almost every injury claim, uh, you have several components that comprise the compensation that you may receive. Mm -hmm. There is pain and suffering. Uh, There is potentially loss of income if you haven't been able to work or been able to come back only part-time, can't do any uh, overtime, things like that. 
if there's somebody, for example, helping you with uh, housekeeping, if, if there's a family member that is uh, taking care of you, helping you shop, uh, doing your grass, things like that, uh, that all gets included. The calculator only deals, though, with pain and suffering, which, by the way, that's generally the first question I'm asked uh, when, mm-hmm. when I start talking with a client about uh, compensation. You know, what is my pain and suffering worth uh, legally from, from a dollar um, standpoint? And they don't realize that that can often be the smallest component. A nice one, but the smallest, It can be, right? absolutely. And we're going to go through some examples. Yep. Uh, but, you know, just to give you an example, I've had a case, and this was last year, with... Uh, a, a, a um, lady that had a fractured ankle, mm-hmm. and, and a fractured ankle, uh, you know, from an, again dollar amount standpoint, uh, it can be worth uh, twenty thousand, thirty thousand, thirty-five thousand uh, dollars. But if that person is unable to work, uh, and in her case she wasn't able to to work, uh, we had to account for the loss of income that she suffered, right. and, and that in itself was around sixty thousand dollars. So you know that plus the pain and suffering plus help around the home, the claim was easily over a hundred thousand dollars. Wow! Well, give an example. Yeah, one run through so, there. So let's run through it. So mm-hmm. we're going to go to injurycalculator.ca. Mm-hmm. You input the accident date from a calendar. You type in the accident location. So let's put Toronto. Uh, you're going to put in how old you are. Let's say thirty-two. Liar. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, the cause of the injury, let's say car accident. Yeah. Uh, someone else was at fault, and did the injury affect your income? You're saying yep. yes. So I click continue, and then it asks me for the category that best describes the main injury that I'm suffering from. So let's say it's a shoulder injury. Perfect. We click that. It asks me uh, what exactly is the injury to the shoulder. Is it a frozen shoulder, a fracture, a dislocation? Dislocation's good. Dislocation. Sure. Okay, clicking on that. No worries. Uh, And then uh, asks me to uh, continue here through the notice, and it says... According to the survey of Canadian cases, you may be entitled to $25,000 to $60,000 for your pain and suffering. So it gives you a window. It gives you a window, and and that makes sense, right? Because different injuries affect people different ways. You can have uh, someone with back pain or or a a shoulder injury in this case, and that person is able to continue working, and yet you have someone else, perhaps the person is older... They have other issues that are bothering them. And so this injury uh, is much more significant in their lives. And so that's why the courts have allowed uh, us to have this range, because some injuries are valued a bit less and some injuries are valued a bit more, depending on how they affect the individual. Again, based on years and years of, of case law oh, already. Decades, so these numbers decade, are in oh, thin yeah. air. No, absolutely. Yeah, this is not, this is not me uh, 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 saying that this is how much it's worth. Uh, this is what uh, Canadian cases, what judges have said in the past across the country, uh, an injury of that type is worth uh, in, in a legal case. So if I go through this again, injurycalculator.ca, and I think, okay, that's an interesting amount. There might be more to this. How do I contact you? Uh, you, you give me a call, um, 416-216-5910, or uh, you email me. Uh, again, the coordinates that you always give, uh, John. Now, on the injury calculator, when you actually submit for the results, uh, you, you have an option. You, there's a little button there that says submit results for a free and confidential okay, consultation. Okay, that's what I was talking about. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And, and you can click on that. And all that does is it tells me that you're interested in having a more in-depth discussion, whether it's via email or by phone. I'll ask you a few more questions and give you a ballpark idea of what you're looking for. Uh, sorry, what you're looking at, not only for pain and suffering, but for the other heads of damage, the, the income loss component yeah. and, and all those kinds of things. We'll get to a couple of emails uh, when we, uh, after we take a short break. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is the email address. You want to call 416-216-5910. That's any time we're not on the air here to get a hold of Savan. And uh, right here while we're at the show until uh, 1 o'clock, 416-870-6400. Star 640 on sale, the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk radio, AM 640. 
416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Help at the insurancelawyer.ca. We'll uh, get to the call right. We've got Gary in Whitby. Good morning, Gary. Hey, Gary. Hello. Hey, how are you, Gary? What's up? Gary is history. He's in the archives. You might email us. So I think he had a slip and fall in the U.S., I think is what the phone call said. Can you give him some advice? That's right. So just, just from that... Um uh, description. I can say that for people who have had injuries uh, in other jurisdictions mm-hmm. outside Ontario, outside Canada, generally uh, the law states that a claim needs to start uh, in that jurisdiction. So, for example, if you slipped and fell in New York, yep. you start the claim there. But uh, there are a lot of cases that indicate also that you know if you live here, if you reside here, that means that the damage is effectively being caused here. Because when you're back here and you have to go for treatments and therapy and uh, okay. it's impacting your work, the actual damage, not the injury, but the damage is being done here day to day. And so uh, there is definitely a lot of backing uh, for the fact that e- even if you, you slipped and fell or had a car accident in a different jurisdiction, uh, like the U.S., for example, uh, we can help here and we can start the process, the claims process for your compensation here. So that's How, it. So my advice for Gary is to give me a call, and then we'll have a more in-depth discussion. If I, if I was, you know, your example, I was walking down a uh, sidewalk in New York, wintertime, good stuff, slip, fall, boom, hurt my ankle. Yeah. Now, you know, normally up here I could take pictures of the ice, where I slipped, maybe it was uneven pavement, so on and so forth. I, I, I didn't do that in New York. As the insurance company can say, well, it's your word against ours. No, no. Uh, I mean, it's, it's no different than if it happens here. And, and frankly, even though my advice always when you slip and fall is uh, either take pictures of the area or have someone, mm-hmm. uh, most likely someone else, a family member, a friend, go to the area as soon as possible to document, to take photographs of either the ice or uh, if you tripped on a ledge, like you have two um, uh, slabs of con- Yeah, exactly. It's uneven. Make sure somebody goes and measures it. Uh, if, if, you know, if you haven't done that here, that doesn't mean you have no claim. In fact, many claims uh, come about uh, when, when people only realize that they have a right to make a claim uh, weeks or even months later. Wow. Uh, in the meantime, they've obviously been affected. Uh, they've had to go to the hospital, family doctor, uh, take time off work, etc. So, uh, you know, the, the fact that you were in New York and you didn't document, uh, you know, by taking a photo of the area of the fall doesn't mean you don't have a claim. You definitely have a claim. Uh, it's just a matter of how quickly do you start it. Let's see if we got, uh, we might have Gary back. Hi, Gary. Hey, how you doing? Hey, there you are. What's are up, you? Al? Sorry, I got cut off last night. No worries. No worries. Uh, just a quick question. Um, I was in uh, Vegas last week. I know. <laughs> and uh, I had a slip and fall in one of the big casinos there. So I'm just wondering, I mean, everybody knows in the States they like to sue like crazy, but uh, I just wonder if I have any recourse there. I twisted my knee pretty badly. Okay. Um, well, I'm me... around here. Have to go for an MRI. Right. Uh, I did have an accident report and everything filled out at the casino, so I've got all the paperwork and everything that they gave me at that end. Gary, let me ask you a question. What what caused you to fall? What was the reason? You um, fell? there were some uh, flyers or papers on the floor in the promenade out in front of the casino, and as I walked around the corner, I slipped on the papers and legs came out from underneath me, and I twisted my knee. Okay, and and the, was it one piece of paper, or a whole bunch of them? Oh, several, Did, several, several. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, you potentially do have a claim, and and I say that not because I, I'm I'm all about making these kinds of claims. I'm telling you that, uh, especially in in, in Vegas, uh, when you know it's very high traffic areas, these yeah. casinos. 
they have, I haven't been there myself, they have a ton of people uh, that, that their entire job is just to make sure that the area is clean and tidy uh, to yep. prevent uh, these kinds of injuries. So, so they clean up spills, they clean up everything. They have to. They have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question becomes, you know, did they miss something? Uh, and, and, you know, it's impossible to know just off the bat. What, what I usually do in these situations, I send out a letter uh, to the uh, property owner. So in this case, would be the casino. And, and I would like to get their positions. What they would do in turn is they would flip my letter to their insurance company and an adjuster would contact me and we would begin yeah. a dialogue. Now, like, uh, I mean, I'm sure in Vegas it was all caught on camera too. Uh, you're completely right. And in fact, if it was last week, you probably want to do this uh, sooner rather than later so that they preserve the footage. Uh, even though you, you made an incident report, which is good, so they would have a record of that, you don't want them deleting anything mm-hmm. because that's potential evidence that could help you in the claim. Now, if you're going for an MRI, my sense is just from that that the doctor is probably suspecting some kind of an objective injury, like a tear. Is that, is that the case? Well, and one thing I have to clarify as well, that there's a pre-existing injury on this same knee. I just had that knee operated on three months ago. Oh, boy. Okay, well, we've so spoken... Basically, yeah. I'm, I'm worse now than I was before I, I got it operated on. I was just rehabbing it, and then I had this accident last week in Vegas. Okay, and, and you know, oftentimes when I get calls like that, people say to me or they ask me, well, if I had a pre-existing injury or pre-existing condition, does that preclude me right. from making a claim? And my answer is absolutely not. It's not your problem. Well, it's your problem medically, uh, clearly, that you had a pre-existing condition and now it's been aggravated. But it's their legal problem because they have to take their victim as they find them. So if they screwed up, and I don't know if they did, but if they screwed up, if the cleaning was not up to par, they weren't following procedures, whatnot, and because of that, you were injured or re-injured an injury or uh, a body part like your knee, there was there was healing. Uh, they're on the hook for it, and by them I mean the insurance company of the casino. Okay. So, my, so there's no. Concern, yeah. I'm not a young guy. I mean, I'm getting up there. I'm right. 50, almost 58 years old. Right. I've got a job that involves a lot of walking. So, like for example, I just got home on the weekend from Vegas. I have to leave again next weekend, and I'm going to be in Europe walking right. for an entire week on a bad knee. Right. Part of my job requires a lot of walking, and if this, you know, maybe I can walk for a couple more years, but if this thing becomes chronic, chronic, uh, it could actually affect my ability to do my job. Yeah, and and that's the major concern that I see oftentimes uh, with these kinds of injuries. Uh, You know, knee injuries are unfortunately quite common, and I I many times deal with a particular surgeon uh, at um, uh, Mount Sinai. Mm -hmm. Uh, who's a phenomenal surgeon, and, and oftentimes I send clients to see him for medical legal reports so he can give me an opinion on what the person can expect in the future. Uh, Gary, I'll tell you this. I've seen enough of these injuries to tell you that you need to deal with this claim now. Uh, give me a call uh, off air. Let's discuss it further, and I'll simply give you some information about what you need to do uh, going forward, and then you can make a decision You know whether you want to proceed with something or not. Gary, that number, uh, 416-216-5910. You know when at casinos in Vegas are insured up the wazoo, right? Dear Steve Wynn. Right, we'll take a short break. 416-870-6400, star 640 on Selmore, the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Coming up, Talk Radio, May M640. 1232, back out of here. You can also uh, email us, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca, which is where we're going to bounce over to right now. An email from Charles up in Richmond Hill says, my wife and I were hit by a drunk driver last December. It was a bad accident, and we were both taken to hospital. A friend of mine told me that because the guy who hit us was drunk, he has no insurance, so there is no point making a claim for our injuries. Is that true? We're both still uh, not doing well, and I haven't been able to get back to work. Okay, Charles, uh, the answer is that no, it's not true. That's not correct at all. 
if you are charged uh, or you cause an accident and you were drinking and driving, uh, you would have breached, uh, breached uh, your insurance policy. And, and then the question is, well, what does that mean? Does it mean you have no insurance? No, that doesn't mean that. What it means is that the insurance company uh, will have to pay a lot less for the, the injured person's injuries uh, than otherwise they would. So, so just to give context here, uh, the majority of us, most people in Ontario that carry uh, automobile insurance policies have what's called uh, third-party liability limits. What does that mean? It means, John, that if you and I are in an accident and you caused it uh, and I start a claim against you, your insurance company will pay up to a million dollars. They're not just going to fork out the money, but they're going to pay up to a million bucks for my injuries if I can prove my claim. If you are if you were drunk at the time, then the most they're going to have to pay is two hundred thousand. Okay. Now what happens? Should be the other way around. What happens? Well, John, what happens if, if my injuries are worth half a million dollars? Okay. But you only have two hundred thousand dollars. Well, uh, every insurance policy or most insurance policies in the province uh, contain this backup uh, endorsement. It's called an OPC of forty four R. What does that mean? It means that if you were a drunk driver, okay, so your insurance company will pay me. 200 grand, but my claim is worth 500. I can go after my insurance company because I have that endorsement for the rest of the money. So for the other 300,000. So Charles, to answer your question, uh, if you are hit by a drunk driver, first of all, the other driver still has insurance. It's just that insurance is not for a million bucks. It's for 200,000. It means that if you have a lawyer, uh, if you don't give me a call and I'll explain this in more detail and we can go through it. But if you have a lawyer, your lawyer would have put your insurance company on notice. Because to the extent that your injuries uh, are worth more than what the drunk driver's mm-hmm. insurance policy limits are, your insurance company will cover the difference up to whatever the amount is, let's say a million bucks. Okay? So, so again, uh, if somebody's hit uh, by, by um, a drunk driver or, or, frankly, by anyone, let's say you have a, an accident with someone who was charged with dangerous driving, and again, they void their policy or they breach their policy, uh, it's more accurate, it doesn't mean that they have no insurance. Okay, very important people have to understand this. It just means wow. that their insurance limits, the protection they have, is no longer a million bucks. Okay, it goes down to two hundred thousand, and for the rest of the money, you have to go uh, to your own insurance company, and that's understood. Insurance companies deal with this on a day-to-day basis. It's just they need the right lawyer to understand this so that they don't mess this up. And you know, God knows, I've seen enough of these kinds of cases when I was defending insurance companies. Yeah where lawyers just don't get that and don't understand how the intricacies of insurance law work, and so their clients end up being prejudiced because they can't claim the full amount. Well, I mean, you're not a broker, but what's the likelihood that if if my insurance company has to cover the outstanding 300 k that my insurance rates will go up or they won't because it's... It should not go up because it's not your fault. Yeah, the fact that you can make that claim doesn't mean that you are at fault for the accident. You're making that claim because your insurance policy allows you to make that claim. Uh, But again, fault is very, very important when determining... Uh, if, if, if the rates go up or, or, or down. Uh, so, uh, and again, John, even, even if I'm wrong, uh, which I'm not, but even if I'm wrong here and your rates go up, we're talking about a lot of money, okay? If, your injury, if my injury, you hit me, you're a drunk driver, my injuries are worth a million bucks. You only have 200000 to cover me. I got to go to my insurance company for the other eight hundred. Mm-hmm. I'm going to worry about my insurance premiums going up. I need that $800,000 to help me with the fact that I can't work. 
uh, with having people come to my house to take care of me. No, I get that. Right? It's just you know the fact but, that you got to no. pay the price for some scumbag who's right. drinking and driving. Right? Which is why, which is why, which is why, when it's not your fault, your premiums should not be going up. Right. But again, that's why I always say to people, just like the way I do things, I have an insurance broker. I go through them. Uh, make sure you uh, ask these kinds of questions of your broker. But no, it should not affect your premiums. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on sale. I'll ask you this: What are some of the uh, some of the other factors that affect injury claims that people should know? And be aware of well the the, the number one um, advice that I would give, and yes, I know it sounds self-serving, and to an extent it is. It's speak with a uh, a good and reputable personal injury lawyer. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you hire them. I'm not saying that you contact me and and you know I'll be on the phone with you for an hour trying to convince you to sign something. No, you need information, and the information you often get from websites. Uh, and it could be personal injury uh, law firm websites could either be wrong or it could be outdated. This is this is very very important to understand. Uh, sometimes I'll Google some kind of a legal issue just to see what other lawyers are thinking about it, and I'll see a blog from 2013. Well, the law changes dramatically right. during this time. You know, it could have been two years now, and it could have been five different amendments to the law. Right. Uh, and even if you get something from August of 2015, who's to say that that lawyer knows what they're talking about? Right. Right, so very important to speak to someone who knows what they're doing in the field. Uh, and, and if you get that advice, you can act on it. It's just like anything else in life. When you're going to get a mortgage, you're going to go to a mortgage broker. You may even shop around. Same thing with real estate. You want this information. So speak to a very good and reputable uh, personal injury lawyer that deals just with personal injury, not personal injury and family law, personal injury and real estate. No, someone who just deals with personal injury. Uh, the second uh, thing I will say, and this is really important, if you are involved in an accident, uh, whether it's a car accident, uh, a bicycle accident, a trip and fall, a slip and fall, make sure you get medical attention or you get checked out the day of or at, or at the very latest the next day. Mm-hmm. Don't be one of those people who says, my doctor was on vacation for a month uh, and that, that's the reason why I didn't see my doctor for a month. Because there are two problems with that. Number one, you could be missing a diagnosis for something you need to get treated very urgently, like a concussion. Mm -hmm. You may think it's just going to go away and then it just gets worse. And number two, if you do end up making a claim against whoever was at fault for the accident, they're going to question, their insurance company is going to question the severity of your injuries because it took you so long to get medical attention. Now you're saying in dire straits. Exactly. So, So there is that gap, right? Think about it. If you were the adjuster for the insurance company, and you're looking at a claim, and you're saying the person hasn't seen a doctor or went to a hospital or, or sought any, any treatment for a month, for two months, what does that tell you about the seriousness of the claim? Yeah, exactly. I'll tell you some more when we get back. We'll take a short break, and we'll get to some more emails as well. Help at the insurancelawyer.ca. Help, H-E-L-P, at the insurancelawyer.ca. You want to give us a call, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. You can also drop us an email anytime, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to an email very shortly from Cheryl. But first, we were talking uh, some more of the factors and uh, things that injury claims that people should know about and be aware of, right? And be aware of, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I I have a long list, but let's just go through one more uh, item, and that's mitigation. And that's something that um, Leora talks a lot about uh, on the employment hour, and it, it stands true also for personal injury. What is mitigation? Mitigation is a concept that says that you have to try and reduce your damages. Uh, You can't simply, in the context of a personal injury claim, Mm -hmm. uh, get injured and then try and do nothing uh, to either get back to work or or to get better medically. So, uh, for example, 
generally we're dealing with two types of mitigation of personal injury. One is injury-wise and one is income-wise. Gotcha. Uh, so you've had an injury and your doctor says you should be going to physiotherapy and you say, well, I just don't want to. Well, that's going to bode very badly, not only medically, but also from a uh, legal standpoint because the insurance company on the other side is going to point uh, to your refusal to try and get better, to get those treatments and uh, they're going to say, as a result of your actions, or rather inactions, you are now worse off than you would have been. Not trying to help yourself. You, you got it. Yeah. And of course, that's, you know, what do you do in a situation where you're told to go to physiotherapy, but you don't have the money for it? That's a different issue, and we can deal with that. But the point is that to the extent you're able to get certain treatments, uh, and you've refused to get those treatments, that's going to uh, bode very badly for you mm-hmm. down the road uh, when it comes down to talk money for your injury. Right. Uh, the other uh, aspect of mitigation is income. And that's very, very important because, uh, unfortunately, there are a lot of lawyers and paralegals out there that tell their clients to stay home, not to go back to work. Other than the fact that this is completely unethical, immoral, and uh, you know, it's just strategically unwise from a claim standpoint, I can tell you, having worked for insurance companies in the past, when I see a claimant in front of me who has been injured and has tried to get back uh, on, on, on the horse, so to speak. They've tried to go back to work part-time, modify duties, something. It tells me that that person is not one of these people, quote-unquote. Right. It tells me that person has credibility. That person is trying to mitigate. They're trying to lessen the damages that they have. And by doing that, you are increasing the value of your claim. Uh, unless you're paralyzed from the neck down uh, or you have the type of job that requires you to be 100% intact and, you know, there are no modified duties that you can do whatsoever, yeah. no part-time work, you should be able to, to to do something after a certain period of time because the body heals. It heals to a certain uh, um, extent, right? Extent. So very important to understand that if you are being given the advice, John, of stay at home, don't work, that's not necessarily going to help your case. In fact, I would argue that that's going to be more detrimental than if at least you've tried to get back to work. And again, it depends. You're not going to get back to work the next day if you broke your ankle, right? It, it has to be a reasonableness. You have to follow doctor's advice. Always follow what the doctors are saying, the specialists are saying. But don't take the view that, oh, you know what? My lawyer told me that I should just stay at home and play video games the whole day and, and uh, until my case settles. Trust me, the insurance company is not that dumb. Uh, the lawyers that they use and the adjusters they use are sophisticated. Uh, and, and they see a lot of these cases... And the dollar value goes up uh, when they see that they have someone who, yes, they got injured, wasn't their fault, but they are trying to get better. They are trying to get back to work. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is the email. Cheryl from Barry says, I slipped and fell on ice at a plaza I regularly shop at last January. I uh, broke my ankle, had surgery on it. I've been on disability since then and hope to return to part-time work by the end of the year. I used to work full-time. I've been trying to deal with the insurance company for the plaza, but the uh, adjuster stopped communicating when I didn't want to accept his offer of $3,000. I was asking for ten. Should I start a claim in uh, small claims court? No, you should not. Oh, okay. You should not, Cheryl, and I'll tell you exactly why. And, and this is a very big um, red flag here, uh, John. Cheryl, and for anybody out there who's dealing with insurance adjusters themselves, you are not dealing with someone with people who just do this on a part-time basis and don't know what they're doing. When you're dealing with insurance companies and they are offering you some money to settle your claim, it's not because they like you. It's not because they want to help you. It's because they are hoping that you will accept um, what would be perhaps 10 cents on the dollar or even one cent on the dollar, depending on your case. Get you off the books because they would not pay you this amount 
without you signing a document called a release that now prohibits you uh, once you get become wiser and somebody tells you that your claim was worth that much more from coming back uh, and, and starting a claim against them. So, so let me just uh, take the scenario, Show You broke your ankle. Uh, you used to work full time and you haven't been able to go back. You were asking for $10,000. Let me just tell you that that case that I spoke about before, remember the broken ankle? Yep. That claim is settled for over $100,000. And incidentally, uh, you can have claims that you can settle them for a lot more than that or a lot less than that, depending on the case. Just your ankle injury, if you had surgery on it, would be worth two, three times the amount that you were asking. Never mind the three thousand. Forget about the three thousand. That's nothing. That's absolutely nothing. Let me give you an example of a case where I was defending the claim. It was a claim out of London, and it was a knee injury. And again, keep in mind, I was defending the insurance company here, and I was dealing with a lady who was representing herself. And I tried to resolve the claim for the insurance company for ten thousand dollars, and she. She went and got a lawyer, and uh, several years later, do you don't want to know, uh, John, how much uh, my client ended up paying her? $175,000. Wow. And I, I almost was able to get her to, to you know, uh, agree to $10,000. Again, keep in mind, I was working for the insurance company, nope. uh, and she ended up retaining a very good lawyer in London. So it, it just tells you that when you are trying to deal with these claims yourself, you are you are entering a world you you you're if, outgunned. You're outgunned. You have yeah. no idea what you're doing unless you're in the industry. Okay, if your friend told you, yeah, 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 you know, you should talk with the adjuster. Don't bother calling a lawyer. They'll just take whatever piece of the pie. And right, that's that's what you're gonna get, right? Yeah, y- yeah. You know what? Mm-hmm. Let me, let me ask you this, Cheryl. I mean, would you rather settle for ten thousand dollars and keep it all yourself, or would you rather settle for a hundred thousand dollars and end up keeping seventy five thousand dollars? As an example, <laughs> do you yeah, know what I mean? Right. I mean, it's yeah. it's a no brainer. And, and again, yes, is it self-serving for me to say that? Yes, it is, except that it's true. That's the key here. It's true. If you are going to go in yourself and do it, and then you sign on the dotted line the release, you can't go back. You you're can't done. Say, you're done. You can't say, oh, I didn't know. And that's what happens many times. And I do get calls like that, John. People call me after they signed, and I can't help them. Well, that's the next question we'll deal with when we come back, I guess, is how insurance companies decide how much a case is worth. Uh, stick around. You want to hear this? 416-870-6400, star 640 on sales, the number to call right up until 1 o'clock this afternoon, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. like to bounce over to the phones right away when they uh, come down the pike. Got uh, Patrick in Brampton. Good afternoon, Patrick. Hey, how are you? Good. What's up? How are you, Patrick? Uh, well, a bit sore. Last Thursday, I was in a parking lot, pulled over to finish a phone call at a gas station. Yep. And a FedEx driver was in the parking lot with me, and his, um, I don't know what happened. He said his shoelace got cut on the accelerator, and uh, he smashed right into me, destroyed my car in the parking lot. And wow. Holy cow. And amount of pain. Oh, wow. And uh, did you did you go to the hospital? Is, is, I mean, uh, how are you doing? I went to see my uh, family doctor. I had x-rays done. Right. Right. Um, at the time, I was in less pain, and the pain is just accelerating by the day, I think. Okay. D- did you report this to the police, or did you go to yes, a collision center? Okay. Uh, we were for the police came by, to, and that uh, took a report and did all this stuff. All right. And, and did you uh, let your insurance company know? I let my insurance company know, and they, they've already started an accident um, claims file for me or whatever that is. Right, yeah. There would have been two adjusters or two people that you would be uh, speaking with, one dealing with your uh, with your car, property damage, yes. and the other one for your injuries. 
Yes. Okay. Uh, well, I haven't talked to the second one in person yet, but uh, okay. for the injuries, but uh, we've already started the process. Okay. But well, I don't know if there's anything I should or shouldn't be doing at this point or well, signing off on or not. Or so, so let me ask you this. Are you, are you working right now or are you taking time off? Uh, well, I'm self-employed. I'm in the computer business. Right. So I, I'm able to... I guess do some of my work remotely, but to go on site, gonna, which is a big part of how I do my business, right, is um, not going to be feasible for the next little while. Do you have anyone that can help you? Uh, no, I don't have any employees working for me or any staff that can do that sort of stuff. Okay, well, so, so let me tell you this. There, there are three aspects to, to your claim that you should be aware of. One yeah. clearly is the property damage claim. If your car was destroyed, as you say, uh, the yeah. insurance company is likely going to write it off, I'm assuming, right. if it was that bad. And so they're going to give you some kind of a cash settlement amount. So okay. my advice on that front is you make yeah. sure that you negotiate with them because there's always a range uh, that they work with in terms of trying to figure out what is the amount that your car was worth just before the okay. accident. Okay, so make sure that whatever amount they give you, you look on AutoTrader and you know you do your own research. Don't just accept the number they give you. Very, very Absolutely. important. Okay, number Thank one. Uh, number two, with respect to the, uh, uh, the uh, personal injury claim, there are two components. One is with your own insurance company. In other words, you're entitled to certain benefits, and those are called accident benefits. Okay. The second component, uh, and we'll deal with that a bit later, deals with a claim against uh, FedEx, essentially, for negligence. Now, right. the claim against FedEx uh, is something that you would have to assess a little bit down the road. Uh, you'd have to see how you deal with your injuries. So clearly, okay. the first thing you need to do, which you did, is seek medical attention. Uh, you, yeah. you went through various examinations. Your insurance company is going to tell you that you have a certain amount of, of, of uh, dollars uh, that you can spend on rehab. And if you were listening to the beginning part of the show, my advice to you is if you're going to get physiotherapy or massage or chiropractic, make sure you uh, get a referral from your family doctor. Or if you know of a good clinic, go to that clinic. Don't yeah. use the clinic that the insurance company is going to tell you to go to. Yeah, I've already done that with a chiropractor. Good. I know of someone who's good. And okay, perfect. Perfect. So, so it, there's going to be a package. Uh, it's called an accident benefits package that your insurance okay. company is going to send you, and it needs yeah. to be completed uh, within 30 days and, and given back to them, and, and that's when the process starts. If you are losing okay. income as a result of not being yeah. able to work, they won't cover that for the first seven days. Okay, that's just by statute. They don't cover yeah. income. But if you're having difficulty afterwards, they are going to cover uh, a, a certain amount of losses. Again, there's a formula that they use. It's up to $400 a week, and, and yeah. uh, you know, th th there's a way that they go about calculating that. The, right. the question that I'm, oft, uh, I'm oftentimes asked is, well, what do I do with the person who hit me? And, and what I tell people is it, it depends on the extent of your injuries. If you're dealing yeah. with um, you know, a sore neck, a sore back, but it really goes away within a few weeks, a few months, things like that, yeah. it, it, there's not much really that you can do, but... Unfortunately, a lot of times I see people who have had, you know, the sore back, the sore neck, and it's really affecting their ability to, to earn income a, a, as they had been doing for years prior to the accident. In right. those situations uh, and in some other situations, you have a claim against uh, whoever was at fault here, and it's the FedEx driver and FedEx itself because he was working at the time of the accident. Yeah. So really, it's not going to be him. It's going to be the insurance company that was insuring that vehicle, that was insuring right. FedEx, that's going to be on the hook here. 
Uh, so, yeah. uh, you know, Patrick, I'll be more than happy to speak to you off air. Uh, and, and, you know, I can give you more advice on this. Just feel free to, to give me a call and uh, I'll give you a lot more information. So at the very least, uh, you'll, you'll intelligently be able to make a decision on how you want to proceed. Good way to wrap it up, my friend. Live on the air, 416-216-5910 is Savan's number or help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll take it out for another week. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640.